0: And thankful to be here, expecting yesterday morning that I was coming here to sit right back over there and hear a sermon from the book of Acts. Uh, I am happy to be here, uh, but uh, the scripture reading today is not going to be from the book of Acts, uh, but uh, I made it really a note on the outline, I hope you have one. If you don't, there's a few copies sitting next to where I was sitting, if you needed one, but uh, we began our men's study on the parables of Jesus uh, yesterday in our uh, Saturday morning men's study, and uh, when I found out that I I had offered that I could be available if, if needed, because I heard that Pastor McCracken was quite ill, and when I found out that that was something that was going to work out well. Uh, I had to decide, now what am I going to do? Uh, But things like this have happened periodically. But fresh in my mind was the Parable of the Soils, which we were talking about yesterday. We did such a good job with it that we're going to be talking about it again this coming Saturday morning. But it was on my mind, and it seemed like this might be something uh, in the pondering there that I I could uh, work on and bring to you. I I am going to be here in two weeks actually, not next week, uh, filling in for Pastor McCracken, but that's the Lord's Day after Thanksgiving. I've been working on a sermon on Thanksgiving. I wanted to leave that right where it was around Thanksgiving, Uh, and so today we're going to look at the parable of the soils and we'll be talking a little bit about what parables are in this particular parable and some of the applications for us. So I'm not going to tell you the scripture reading this morning yet, Uh, but rather I'm going to try to do what I can to put us into the position of the people who first heard the Lord Jesus Christ utter the words that we're going to read this morning and to set the setting for that. And if I see you opening your Bible and trying to find out where I am, I'm going to come down and I'm going to slap your hand. The people that heard Jesus first did not have Bibles. They also did not have one of those screens that many churches use with the projectors. Uh, Many of them could not read. In fact, quite a few of them would not have been literate, although in the uh, Jewish uh, community, certainly literacy would have been much higher than in some other cultures. Uh, But uh, the setting for this is in these following words from one of the Apostle writers. Uh, It says, He began, that is, Jesus began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, and Uh, That's the setting, so imagine you are sitting uh, on the seashore, uh, Sea of Galilee, most likely shore, Uh, Jesus is in a boat, uh, away from you a little bit out there, probably a number of reasons, one is because of the uh, Pavarazzi, uh, but actually no, the the people that just thronged after him, and don't the Gospels often record that uh, he was harangued and and followed and and the demands were upon him. Sometimes he had to just get away from that, but this would have given him an opportunity to speak and to be heard. One thing I'm sure about is they didn't have microphones and other things, but when the Lord of glory spoke, the people that were there, uh, even the large crowds heard him uh, clearly. So here is what Jesus said to those people sitting on the seashore, and I'd like you to imagine that you're one of them at this point. Close your eyes if you need to or not. Hear the words of Jesus. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, and that is S-O-W, not S-E-W, although I tend to pronounce things sometimes similarly. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, And the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. It died, in other words. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it and it yielded no crop or no fruit, literally, is is the word there. Other seeds fell into the good soil and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop or a a fruit and produced 30, 60, and a hundredfold. He who has ears to hear this, let him hear. And those are the words that Jesus said. And I just wonder right now, just by listening to them and not looking in, in your Bibles and other things, you know, what did you take from that? And how do you think about what Jesus was trying to tell you? It's hard to do because many of you, I think most of us, uh, maybe not the children, but even the children, just and other heard stories uh, uh, in the parables of Jesus, but now, if you wanted to turn in your Bibles, I would suggest a good place to turn would be Mark chapter 4. And we're going to pick up the reading at verse 10. And uh, I would simply say, I, I, when we get to verse 10, his followers, along with the 12, this would be the kind of the inner circle, those who were... Uh, with him regularly uh, came and asked some questions and I'm sure that I would have been one that was really wanting to do that as well so in verse 10 of Mark 4 as soon as Jesus was alone his followers along with the 12 began asking him about the parables and he was saying to them and this is right now, he's talking generally about parables, not about what we just read. But he's saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables. So that, and now Jesus is going to quote from what uh, Pastor Bechtel, or Elder Bechtold read earlier from Isaiah chapter 6 while seeing. They may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. And Jesus said to then, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? And now he goes on to explain it for us. And we are glad to have the, the scriptures in the New Testament so that we, we can get this information from the gospel writers. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. Do you know what a sower is, children? S-O-W-E-R? He's a farmer, and he's somebody who has seed to plant in the ground. And uh, so farmers, they they prepare ground, they put the seed out into the ground uh, so that uh, it will grow. Uh, Sometimes it's very basic uh, in many Uh, more primitive cultures. Sometimes it's gotten very sophisticated, perhaps even too sophisticated um, in countries and lands such as ours. Uh, I spent some time in Iowa a few weeks ago, uh, preached back there, and was informed that uh, they have the best soil in the world essentially there, and that's why they grow so many good things. Anybody from Iowa that wanted to attest to that um, would be shaking their heads right now. And so the one who is planting the seed, whether he's sprinkling it out or getting down on hands and knees and putting it into neat rows in the ground, however, uh, Jesus says the sower sows the word, and the seed is the very word of God. Then, uh, and that word, in a very broad sense, it refers to the scriptures of the Old Testament, the New Testament. It re, um, it also would refer to the word of God uh, incarnate in the Lord Jesus Christ who is speaking these words as well so it is the very word of God that is being spoken so that people might hear it these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown and when they hear immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them in a similar way These are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, But the worries of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in, and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? For under a bed, it is not brought to be put, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. For more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. And we'll conclude our reading. Um, I I put things out in more details, thus uh, needing a full page for an outline, mainly for two reasons. One is uh, to help me a little more than normal, to stay... Uh, focused on on where we're going, uh, but also to give you something that if you want to ponder these things and look up some of these verses that are mentioned later on, you can do that. First of all, let's look at Jesus, the teacher. Uh, In the first verse of this, or verse two actually of this, it says that Jesus was teaching them many things in parables, and he was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Uh, Jesus is a teacher. Nicodemus approached him in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus being one of the teachers of Israel, but he addressed him as a teacher who came from God. And uh, it's, it's an interesting verb there because it's a perfect tense of the verb came from God so that it means Jesus always, the perfect is the idea of a timelessness related to it, so that uh, no matter where you go, a perfect tense means this, what I'm saying to you, will be true. Uh, and it is true that Jesus is from God. Not only that, but as John delineated in, in the first verse of his gospel, he is the word who is God. Jesus has a t- was viewed as a teacher by his disciples in the crowds. This word, teacher, uh, was used. But more often, uh, a different word was used for him as he became more well-known, and that was the word rabbi, even though he wasn't technically a, a ordained Jewish rabbi. Uh, rabbi in Hebrew meant teacher. He also viewed himself as a teacher. He, he talks about that in John 13, 13, where he says, You call me that, and so I am. Uh, it's instructive, and uh, this week one of the things I hadn't really looked at, but I had a chance to read uh, from, from a book and uh, written by Gerhardus, was the methods uh, that Jesus uh, used, and he uh, essentially, you heard as, far as said in his writings, Jesus was not a systematic theologian. In other words, he did not teach in a way where you, you take all these pieces and you put them in really uh, orderly categories and you piece all those things together, but rather he... Uh, Taught in similitudes, he called them, which are similes and metaphors. I, I never knew the word similitudes. Uh, that's one thing, if you ever read Gerhardus Vosch, you'll learn new words. Um, and in parables, which are in some ways similar, in uh, allegories and other, some other ways. Uh, but uh, his methods were very people oriented and very uh, easy to understand. He, 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 he wasn't a professor. Uh, in a classroom even though he did have a classroom uh, wherever he was that was his classroom Uh, but he uh, talked in a way uh, and was effective exceptionally effective in in my view with those who mattered which were the people and in all of the people and uh, later on in Mark 12 verse 37 Jesus is uh, uh, still uh, wrestling with the scribes and Pharisees and they were challenging him and, and he was responding to their question about uh, actually he finally the last thing that happened between the Pharisees and Jesus was they kept pestering him with questions he would answer them sometimes with questions in other ways but uh, at the end of his ministry just before Uh, He will go uh, into the upper room uh, with his disciples and then be arrested. Uh, He asks them a question, and it's related to Psalm 110 about whose son is uh, Psalm 110 uh, speaking about when he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until he put your enemies beneath your feet. And Jesus goes on in verse 37 in the first part. David himself calls whoever this person is lord so in what sense is he his son in other words how can david's son also be david's lord and um and uh, he uh, the scriptures recorded in other gospel writers at that point they stopped asking him questions and they didn't answer that one either and but and I, and i think mark who is very brief, and summarizes the next phrase in that verse, and the large crowd enjoyed listening to him. And, and really, uh, the literally it says that the large crowd heard him gladly. And uh, I determined years ago when, when I went to seminary that uh, that should be the goal of all who will preach the gospel, that uh, we are not to be boring, uh, we are to try to uh, speak of the things and the treasures of the kingdom of God in a way that uh, will help people and encourage people. And so I hope this might help you. So uh, we have Jesus, uh, among the many things he was, he was uh, the teacher, of uh, not only King of kings, the Lord of lords, many other titles, but he was the teacher of teachers, in my view. And now in this parable, we uh, come, in chapter 4, we come to Jesus, the storyteller. First of all, I'd like to just talk for a minute about his parables. Parables are verbal stories. So they're, 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 they're meant to be spoken and listened to, not necessarily to be written down in red. Revealing the mysteries of the kingdom of God by comparing these mysteries with well-known, uh, I'd call them earthly or earthy things. That means things that Most everybody who lives in this world would know what you're talking about. So, in other words, if I had an illustration about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the gospel of of Christ today, all the children would say, peanut butter and jelly, and would be more likely to hear what I have to say. The word parable uh, in in the Greek uh, literally means to, bole is to throw, and para is the, A preposition to to be alongside of something. So something that you're to throw alongside of. So what Jesus is doing is he is throwing the mysteries of the kingdom of God, uh, giving them to us by putting them and comparing them to something that we know about, which is dirt. That's the sermon title. I thought it was pretty clever. Much ado about dirt, or if you want to be more uh, traditional, you can call my sermon the Parable of the Soils. primary delivery of the parable is to be verbal, to be heard rather than read. And uh, that came out to me in yesterday's men's study, as I reflected about it, uh, that time together. And uh, that is a challenge that faces us when we study the parables, because now that it's been written down, and we had a dozen or 15 men sitting around a table, and they're looking at every single word of this you could only imagine and I guess we're going to be doing that again in class today um, the kinds of directions in which our conversations might go and definitely they will go the place that I like to all up and go and my wife reminded me this morning don't go on too many tangents uh, this morning um, so and so we we dissect it to death but we need to understand Jesus said it, those people heard it, and just when I read it to you, that's all they got at that point. Now, they heard them at other times and stuff, but it was supposed to be very easy to understand the point that's being made, and that's going to be a question for the adults. What is the point? Because parables normally focus on one particular point as well. Uh, Thirdly, uh, Jesus' parables do not state doctrine they're not they're not statements just about here is truth but rather they are stories to illustrate the great doctrines uh, of god himself revealed to us in the scriptures parables uh, as in what we've read are only understandable with help of god and in the sovereign god he is the one who gives us the ears to hear everybody knows we use ears to hear right and some people uh, sadly cannot hear i can't hear in this ear So if you wanna yell at me and not have me get mad, yell in this ear and I won't hear you so I won't get mad. Um, If you do it in this ear, then I'll have to figure out how to handle that. And Jesus says they reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to some, that would be believers, and conceal those mysteries from others. Ultimately, the gospel is a mystery. The scripture often talks about it as such, but uh, the the blessing of the scriptures is that mysteries are things that are hidden that we can't understand. Revelation is what you need in order to clear up the mystery and make the mystery become something you do understand, and that's why we have the very word of God. He has told us uh, very specifically how to understand these things, and One of the nice things about this particular parable uh, is that uh, it's one that Jesus was willing, after being uh, asked about it, to step back and actually tell us in more detail how we are to understand it. And so we need God's help, uh, which means he is the one that needs to give us those ears to hear so that we can hear and understand. And it also gives us as we think about our responsibility to share our faith with others, it it leaves the results of our doing that, sowing after Jesus, in Jesus' name, it leaves the results where they belong in the hands of God himself. And and I put uh, there John chapter 10 where Jesus talks about the fact that I have my own, I am revealing myself to my own, my own will hear me, they will come to me and, and reminds us that he is the one who uh, draws his sheep to himself and will never let them go. In his parables, and in this one in particular, I know Jesus' stated purpose says for this first of all, that people would listen. Uh, it's an imperative verb in, in verse 3 where he says, listen to this, or listen literally, exclamation point. The, the word is the same word that means to hear, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. Do you know what the difference is? Hear means, yeah, I, I heard the words. Listen means I understood the words, I paid attention to the words, and I'm going to do something uh, with the words. Uh, and so children have a great capacity, and, and I'm... I was as a child at the, at the list, and my wife would say, and I still am uh, at the list of hearing many things and not really listening, not really understanding. But she gets very frustrated when she says, Are you listening to me? And I'm able to repeat what she just said to me, even though uh, maybe my brain was doing something else when it should have been paying attention to my wife. Jesus says, Listen to this, and he's not saying, If, you, if you're so inclined, This is a command from the Lord of glory, hear what I'm telling you. So in his name I'm simply saying this is important stuff that Jesus has. It's also very important whenever Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In the book of Revelation he says that over seven times to the seven churches as well. So we have in three verses what? Jesus is uh, wanting to do with this parable. First of all, to have the people listen to him and what he's saying. To hear him that people with ears would hear. That's in verse 9. And then to, uh, for people to understand or to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God uh, with the qualification to those who have been given the ability to do that that they would do that, hear and understand these mysteries uh, of the kingdom of God, which is uh, the kingdom of God is what all of the parables of Jesus are about. Also could be the kingdom of heaven. They're interchangeable. Uh, there's a lot of debate. Uh, but uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have uh, an account of what happened here at this, in this particular parable that Jesus uh, told the people um, two of them use the kingdom of god one of them uses uh, the kingdom of heaven and that would be matthew um, and so he wants us to understand and he's also telling us that i am revealing in this in in language that you can get some of the very things that belong to god himself in heaven and then he gives us his explanation which we find in verses 13 through 20 um, and uh, I just summarize that under 2C there. The sower sows the word in verse 14. And so who is that sower? Question for discussion later, but certainly it would include Jesus. But I would suggest it also uh, will include all who would uh, do that uh, in his name. And that has to do with Isaiah 6, which I'm going to leave until uh, our class discussion time. The birds and the rocks and the thorns are the evil one, Satan. He's identified in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and in all three of them using different names. He is Satan to Mark. He is uh, the evil one in Matthew. He is the devil in Luke. Uh, All names that belong to uh, the devil who gets fully revealed to us that serpent of old and the dragon of revelation chapter 13 and the soils were and this was a big discussion in our class so we'll probably talk about it in the class today yesterday the men's study the soils represent the people who hear but may or may not listen or believe the word and uh, in verses 15 through 20 that's spelled out um, and I've wondered might this idea of uh, Us being viewed as dirt or as soil drive us back to the garden itself where Adam was made from the dust of the ground. The name Adam itself means dirt. Um, The scriptures say that we are uh, clay vessels or uh, jars of clay or clay pots. What is clay? It's just, what's clay? It's a a form of dirt, right? Um, Seems like there's more of it in our backyard than anywhere else that I've lived in the past not much in Iowa I guess that's what they tell me and so uh, we are the soil and, and exactly what does that mean we'll talk about later and so today and I put that in italics and underlined it and made it large on behalf of those who know the inside joke that I have with the Salt Light congregation over the years, there are four types of people in the world. Um, because up until now, they've always heard me say there are two types of people in the world. But, uh, but then when I realized that one, two, and three all essentially end up in the same place, there's still only really two types of people in the world. Those who have ears to hear Jesus and those who don't who might hear the words that he says, but it doesn't change their lives, and it doesn't compel them to commit themselves to him by faith, to turn from their sins, and to serve him. And I'm saying that not only to children that need to do that, and I, I'm honoring really to sure that you do, but, but to adults as well, who uh, have the ability to be like children and not really be good at listening at times. One of the things we, we talked about, and I'm sure it'll come up again uh, in the class later, is the fact that while we as Christians know that we are the fourth type of soil, why is it that we often act like we're one of the other three in, in, in the way that we do things on a day-to-day basis? So there are, while there are many points of this well, what is the main point? Um, I'm not going to do that, but I am going to close talking about the other main points of this sermon by way of application to us, Uh, in in my mind, and there are many others that I hope you will will have things to share. That's one of the questions. Uh, You're putting me up here to have to lead that class. I'm going to point the finger back at you and say I have some questions that you need to answer as well. And first of all, putting this all together, these are conclusions I've drawn over the years. Jesus is the ultimate sower coming to the world To save his people, called Christians or believers, from their sins. He does this through his precious good news, the gospel. And uh, Mark has a very clear statement of what Jesus did in his earthly ministry in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Summarized in, you are called to repent and to believe in the good news. Jesus speaks this parable to each one of us and he calls us to hear it and if you've never done that and never responded to that by turning to him I pray for you that this would be the day of salvation it's very easy thing to do the gospel and becoming a Christian is not a hard thing to do it's simply to say Lord I I hear you calling me to come into your kingdom I turn from my sins and I commit myself to you and I thank you for saving me Franklin Graham has a very in commercials that he does on TV a very brief way which I I, I wish I could say it uh, as well as he does but but that's what each of us are called to do children that's what you're called to do to, to believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior that he has saved you from your sins secondly Each one of you, whether you like it or not, it's in the scriptures, which cannot be broken, and we have it right before us here. Each of you are one of the four kinds of dirt in this parable. Soil, sorry. Would you rather I call you soil rather than dirt? Uh, I I could do that. As a kid, I always um, was covered with dirt, and as I got older and became a Christian, I realized I was also made of it apart from saving faith in christ i have a typo there you are one of the first three types of soil and i pray that you're not content with that that the spirit of god might be in your heart if if you really haven't committed to him just uh, trying to grab hold of you and urging you that the words of our savior are faithful and true that all who Believe on the name of the Lord, will be saved. Turn to him. Thirdly, as an earthly expression of the kingdom of God in these last days, and we are in the last days and Pastor McCracken, I wasn't here the last. when did he say that? It was in a recent sermon and I, it was we were listening to his sermon while we were driving home from back east. Uh, but he he made that particular point uh, that we are in the last days in 2 Timothy, that's what Paul says, and he describes what it's like to be in the last days. And I would encourage you to go to that chapter and say, yeah, that's the world that we live in. Uh, The church of Christ is to sow the seed of God's word to a fallen, a lost, and a sinful world. Uh, Those verses in Matthew 28 are called the Great Commission, and each one of us has a role to play in doing this work as we bear fruit where God has put us in the ways that God has made us and the way the gifts that God has given us as we live for him and try to honor him we will bear fruit and we will expand his kingdom on earth <clears throat> fourthly and this is one that only in recent years came to, uh, to my mind clearly, and, and I learned something else, or at least I think I learned something else just yesterday once I was uh, looking at these things. The parable of the soils is a great help in understanding difficult passages, and I'm speaking particularly of passages like Hebrews 6, the first six verses, where it describes people who appear to, to be believers but then fall away from the faith. Uh, we have similar... A passage in hebrews chapter 10 and there there are other thoughts of that to raise that question about uh, once uh, god has saved us will he ever let us go jesus in john 10 says no i will never do that but the parable of the soils helps us to understand that and uh, what i saw was that if you go on in hebrews turn to hebrews 6 if you have a bible and would be willing to do that because this was a uh, whenever I study the word of God I, I, I learn a lot but sometimes I just go wow that is something that now has really 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 helped me uh, but if you have in verse Hebrews 6 verses 1 through 6 you have this description of people that look like believers I know some of these people and maybe you do as well who were strong Christians some of them even were, were to me great helps and now I've heard they're no longer walking with the Lord. But verses 7 and 8, really, to me, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, driving us back to the parable of the soils at that particular point. And uh, the, the third soil, the one that appeared to have every, everything was going great, but then eventually the thorns choked it out, uh, I think, is the kind of person that is being talked about here in Hebrews 6 and elsewhere. So that's for you to ponder and think about. Then finally, uh, we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians, and as such, we need to understand the word of God has taken root in us, And that because of that, we spend each day not perfectly, sometimes uh, going the wrong direction and other things. We uh, are growing, we are maturing, and we are bearing fruit. And the the bearing of fruit really goes with growth and maturity. You want to know the greatest fruit of all of the fruits that we bear as Christians? It is you children the fruit of the womb your parents love you I love you I don't know you all very well I hope it's. it used to be I'd play kickball with you or do other things it's getting harder to do some of those things but thank God for our children that is one of the great ways that we bear fruit Um, but we bear fruit in all other ways the by proclaiming the gospel to the lost and having people turn from their sins to faith in Christ is another way in which we bear fruit. We bear fruit in the service that we give to others. We, every time we are doing the things that the body of Christ, which includes every one of us, and the gifts are exercised that have been given to each one of us in the body of Christ, uh, the kingdom is growing and expanding. The Lord is being honored, Christ is being exalted. And we are seeing uh, the kingdom claim the victory that was won at the cross and verified by the empty tomb because of what Jesus has done for us. So I encourage you to go forth and bear much fruit. Um, And I'm done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word come in the flesh whose name is Jesus. Thank you for the word that you have written down for us to remind us of the things that Jesus said and did and to remind us from Genesis to the end of the scripture and revelation of the eternal and perfect plan that you have put together for those who hear, because you have given us the ears to do so. To you be the glory and the praise and the honor forever, in Jesus' name, amen.